Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern-day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. Hi, it's Don Johnson again with the Proclaim and Defend podcast. In this episode, we are bringing one of the workshops conducted at our recent annual meeting held at Faith Baptist Bible College and Seminary in Ankeny, Iowa. Now, you can find audio for all the messages and workshops at www.fbfiannualfellowship.org. You can look under the Media tab and access messages for the previous year, 2022, at that location as well. Now, this year's conference was a special blessing to us all. I hope that you really enjoy the messages and the workshops that we're sharing with you. And I also hope that you will make plans to attend our 2024 meeting in Denver. Now for today's workshop. When I grew up, my aunt and uncle had raised Arabian horses. Yeah, ooh. And um, I was from Bloomington, Minnesota, so I was a suburbanite girl, but my aunt always, she always, when we would go out there, she goes, Sandy, what do you do? You always introduce yourself to the horses so they know who you are, they can smell your breath, and they can hear your voice, and they're going to respond a whole lot better to you. That's right. And so that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to just give you a little bit. I'm not going to let you smell my breath. I did brush my teeth. But... but <laughs> I was going, I am leaving this. <laughs> anyway, um, I grew up in a religious but unsaved household. My mom was Lutheran and my dad was a Christian Zionist. And both, when they married, they both thought, I'm going to change him and I'm going to change her. And you know what happens then? <laughs> There's a lot of conflict. And um, to the point where my mom actually left my dad for about a year. And um, then she decided, you know what? And I wish people could have more resolve like this today. She said, I know, you know what? For the sake of the children, and at that point it was just my sister, um, I am not going to be the one to le- abandon this relationship and she, and she goes, if anybody's going to ha- do the leaving, it's going to be him. And so she purposed in her heart, she went back to my dad, and um, they decided <clears throat> any boys born to the relationship would go to church with my dad. Any girls born would go with my mom. My mom lost three boys between my sister and I. I am the baby. And my mom lost three boys. Two of them were live births. One of them at six months. And it wasn't until my husband and I came to Christ and led my mom to the Lord that we said, Mom, just think about this. The boys are in glory. They didn't have to be Christian Zionists. Praise the Lord. So when uh, my dad died without the Lord and um, fought it till his dying breath, But you know what? Christian science died in my family along with him. So praise the Lord. Isn't God good? 
And, and it was, he did, my dad didn't reject me. He rejected Christ. And I had to work through that. Anyway, um, I met my husband in uh, Lutheran Church Choir. And I was 17. He was 19. He was that old college guy from the University of Minnesota. And he was in civil engineering. And um, we, we dated for two years, engaged for one, got married. I had barely turned 20, but we got married, and um, we moved out to the Pacific Northwest. We moved out to Washington State, and he built the Bonneville Second Powerhouse out there along the Columbia River, and um, I had a problem. I had lived in the same place my whole life, and I said, Tim, I don't know how to go out and make friends with people. I'd lived in Bloomington, Minnesota my whole life, and everybody came in and was around me. He goes, Sandy, learn to ask questions. Just learn to ask questions. He goes, people like to talk about themselves. Hmm, Okay. So learn to ask questions. If you get anything from this, learn to ask questions, okay? You'll find out a whole lot. Anyway, while we were out there, our oldest daughter was born. We started into a Bible study at uh, the Lutheran church that we were in. And the couple there took us through the book of Romans. Um, Warren Wiersbe's Be Right. Yes. Oh, extremely um, logical. Great for an engineer's mind. Not mine. <laughs> I mean, it was good for me, too, but it was not, I am not the engineer. <laughs> and so... Um, it was really good, but we were that nice young couple that nobody ever asked, do you know for certain you're going to heaven? This, this couple had recently come to Christ, and they came back into the Lutheran church to see if they couldn't share with people. They didn't share with us, though. They didn't talk to us. They didn't ask us. We were, we were not the drinkers. We weren't the smokers. As an eighth grader, I had already made that decision. I will not drink and I will not smoke. And I stuck with it as an, I stuck with it. And so I didn't have those big known sins like a lot of people in the, at that point were doing. And, and so we were the nice young couple that people thought. We even sought out a church. And, and so nobody asked us if we knew for certain we were going to heaven. They, they just kind of thought we would get it. And um, we, at that point, we had our oldest daughter, Angela. Um, I was pregnant with Danny at the time. We moved up to Ketchikan, Alaska. And we were, uh, Tim was building a dam and a two-unit powerhouse for the city of Ketchikan. We went to the Lutheran church there. And you know what? It was just a social gospel with cake. And, and cookies and people smoking outside. And, and we're going, we're, we're above that. What do we do? Where do we go? And in God's timing, he brought um, a Baptist Mid-Missions missionary, Cletus Leverett, up to Ketchikan, Alaska. And he was knocking, door, he went door to door. And um, he knocked and invited us to Vacation Bible School. And he goes, you can even see the steeple from your, your balcony right here. And I said, wow. And so I told Tim about this when he came home. And he goes, you know, 
We're about 2,500 miles from home. Maybe our, our moms won't find out about this. <laughs> they still had a little bit of a hold on us, on our conscience. But anyway, we went to visit. And we, visit, we walked in. And I tell you what. It was totally different than we had ever seen. There were no vestments. They must be really poor. The poor pastor couldn't even afford any robes. <laughs> they had no stained glass. They didn't even have an altar up in front. They were so poor. All they had was the word, the centrality of the word of God. And so as we were there, we felt the real People read their Bibles. They even had finger oils. They had yellow marks like they actually read them. And they sang like they knew the God of the hymnal. Okay? So we go forward one Sunday because we wanted what they were asking for. And they had just gone through a very messy split. And remember, nobody had ever asked us before if we knew for certain we were going to heaven. And that continued. They said, oh, have you ever been baptized? Well, what good Lutheran has not been baptized? I was baptized as an infant. So was Tim. And they said, no, you need to be immersed. Well, okay, and you just share your testimony. First clue should have been when we said, what's a testimony? And nobody did. They said, just tell us how you got here. So basically, they got a travel log how we went from Minnesota to Washington State up to Alaska. Nobody still asked us if we knew for certain that we were going to heaven because we were nice. So there we are, immersed, made members of this nice little Baptist church. And every Sunday, we would grip the pews and go, we don't have what they're talking about. But that pride, it just was too big. <laughs> and you just don't want to go forward and admit that, hey, all of that was a lie. But you know what? The scriptures talk about no man comes unless the Father draws him. And God was still drawing us. We moved out to the job site. Tim became the project manager. And the only way in was by boat or float plane. 35 miles. We lived on a camp job in the wilderness of Alaska with our, at that point, two babies. Andrew was two, and Danny was four, four months old. And um, <laughs> our only way in, and bless Tim's heart, <laughs> he, he had told them, hey, church is important to us. Will you fly us in every other Sunday, and every other, the other ones will take our boat 35 miles and go to church? And I said, are you kidding? <laughs> we got to get up that early. <laughs> To, tra to travel by boat, to go 35 miles by boat to go to church. And so that is exactly what we did. And they agreed to it. So every other Sunday we got to fly um, by, a, by a float plane to church. And while we were there, we kept hearing. And Pastor Leverett preached from the book of Revelation. And Tim came back to the job, and he walked across his gorgeous thin arch dam, and he said, all of this is going to come crumbling down one day. Maybe what I should be doing is going, I'll go back to college, Bible college, and do something for eternity's sake. We're still not saved yet. But no man comes unless the Father draws him. And so he came down. I was now pregnant with our third child. 
And he came down to the um, trailer, and he goes, Sandy, I think this is the last job we're going to be on. I said, I know. I think you're right. And he goes, after picking them up off the floor, he goes, I didn't expect that you would say that. I said, no, I think God is moving us on. And, and so, but where do we go? And at that point, God brought up, in his timing, he brought up a, a family. Chuck and Irene Brocade, they were Baptist mid-missions missionaries. They were going up to Iliamna, Alaska, but they had told them to stop off in Ketchikan and work with a seasoned missionary, Pastor Leverett, for about six months before heading up there. And so we watched them, watched them and their family, and um, we said, if this is, they never, never told us this is where we needed to go, but we said, if this is what Faith Baptist Bible College is producing, this is where we need to go. And so in um, April of 1983, Tim turned in his resignation. They brought every single bigwig up from the construction company to try. They were grooming him to take over one day. And he said, I can't. I need to go to Bible college, and I need to, I need to serve the Lord. And so um, at that point, um, we waited until Amy was born. And then four weeks after she was born, we moved <laughs> from the woods of Alaska. And we, we um, packed up our, our uh, three-and-a-half-year-old, our 22-month-old, and our four-week-old. And praise the Lord for a strong back. And we moved to Ankeny. Well, we, we moved just north of Ankeny to Alleman. We moved into a, a house, and we were, um, Tim started working nights at UPS, loading trucks, and I could not keep any weight on that poor man <laughs> from being a civil engineer. Now he was loading trucks. Anyway, <clears throat> he started classes. We were going through church membership. And finally, at the church, we went forward, and a deacon who is an uh, engineer at John Deere looked at us, and he shook his finger, and he goes, looked at Tim. And I'm thinking, yeah, get him. He goes, I don't care that you're in Bible college. I want to know, do you know for certain you're going to heaven? And Tim said, yes. And I'm going, how does he know? I have no idea. Nobody had ever asked us. And I thought, how does he know? And, and so that week was missions week. And by Wednesday, Tim could not stand the guilt. And he came under such conviction. He came home and he goes, Sandy, I've got it all up here. But I've never applied it to my heart. I don't know for certain that I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord, because I didn't either. <laughs> and he trusted Jesus Christ to save him from his sins that afternoon, October 5th of 1983. He was so relieved he threw up. That was the turmoil that was going on. That night, we went up to church and we were supposed to share with the deacons before prayer meeting. And at that time, um, they, they listened to Tim, and they said, well, pending your baptism, we're going to make you members. And I'm thinking, is this how it works? Is that when you get married, that you just kind of ride into heaven on your husband's coattails? What about single gals? What about single guys that don't have a wife? I mean, how does this work? I know I haven't gone through the Bible, but how, I didn't see that that's how it worked. 
I was confused. I was in turmoil. And unbeknownst to me, Tim was in turmoil because they didn't listen to me. They didn't ask me. So the next night before Tim went to UPS, he sat me down and he said, Sandy, I love you too much not to know. Do you know for certain you're going to heaven? And I said, I don't know. What do you think? And he said, if you don't know, the answer is no. And you need to trust Christ to save you tonight. He had the solution for me, too. And I said, you're exactly right. And so I confessed my sins to the Lord October 6th of 1983. Trusted Christ to save me. Tim kissed me and went off to UPS. And we said, okay, now what do we do, Lord? Now you know a little bit about me, okay? I've introduced myself. After we left construction with our three little kids, Tim had two previous degrees. He had an engineering degree and a business degree. He didn't qualify for any kind of government help at all. That meant we were going to have to pay for school all on our own, raising these three little kids. I was on an extremely tight, tight budget. I know we all have walked through those days, and I am grateful that I don't have to watch that as much anymore. I have to watch, but I don't have to watch it as much. We get Sprecher's soda and can keep it downstairs in the refrigerator for our guests and just spoil them. There is no way we could have done that years ago. And, And there are things, so I'm grateful. But we were on such a tight, tight, tight budget. How many of you recognize any this type of, oh, I, I love it, the envelope system. And you get out your money, and you stuff it in your envelopes, right? And then you pray like crazy and say, Lord, stretch this. <laughs> and I want to tell you, it's easier to write a check with your hard-earned money that you have no wiggle room in than it is to go next door to talk to your neighbor about Jesus. Right? It was for me. I'm right there with you. It was much easier for me to say, oh, we're going to let the missionaries do it. And I had a very... It pacified my conscience. It pacified my heart. And and then people would say, oh, you just don't love the lost like Christ. And I was trying to convince myself, and then I read in the Word, and I thought, that is not the problem. I will never love the lost like Christ. There's a lot of people I don't like. I will never love them like Christ. I don't love Christ enough to obey him. And as I was training our kids and saying, what you're doing does not show that you love me. And I'm thinking, ouch. (laughs) What I'm doing is not showing the Lord how much I love him. And so I needed to have a a little bit of a heart um, (laughs) reevaluation and repentance. So let's read in John chapter 4 here. This, I, when I found out Dr. Jim was talking, speaking on John 4, I went, <laughs> oh, yikes. But you know what, ladies? 
we learn by repetition, don't we? <laughs> we learn by repetition. And, and so you will hear this. And obviously, I prayed about it. Dr. Jim prayed about it. And the Lord said, hey, we all learn by repetition. We all need this more than once. <laughs> so, John chapter 4. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied, with his journey, sat thus on, at the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to, to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give, to, give me to drink, thou would have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith, nothing, saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband, Jesus said unto her. Thou hast said, Well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidst thou truly. The woman saith unto, saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain and say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is cometh when you shall neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know that we worship salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is coming, and that he's called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, that I speak, I, I that speak unto thee am he. Can you imagine? <laughs> and upon the, and upon, Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked to the woman. Yet no, no, no man asked, Why seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went in her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. 
Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Ladies, we must learn to reach out to the women with women the gospel and make disciples. We need to do this. I always like to know how to do this, though. I don't know about you, but I love the cookbooks, the recipes. They give me pictures, too. So today is a picture of what we can do in bringing these women to Christ, okay? Number one, we need to be conscious of what God is doing. You know, there's a a really neat outline here in this, and um, in verses uh, one through five, He's, Jesus is conscious. He must need go through Samaria. He knows that there are needs there. And Dr. Jim mentioned that this morning. He knew that there were needs in Samaria. And so he was very conscious of what is, was going on. Um, God puts you where you are, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, um, in your school, where you shop. He has put you there for a a purpose. Nothing is by accident, ladies. And I say that um, a couple weeks a couple weeks um, before school was out. Actually, a week before school was out, um, I was rear-ended, just right on my way to work, and um, pulled in. I I actually was being I was I thought I was being a good person by watching the crossing guard come across and. And I stopped, which was a good thing. But the gal behind me just kept going. And I drive a, a Nissan Xterra, so it sits up a little higher. So it didn't do a whole lot of damage to the Nissan, okay? It's a little beast. She's just a little beast. And, um, and in fact, um, I, I told my, my kids, I said, yeah, she's a little bit like me. She's got a lot of mileage, and she's just a little beast. And she goes, my daughter goes, yeah, but mom, are you okay? Because sometimes, the, just because the high mileage, you can have a few things wrong. <laughs> I said, oh. <laughs> so, yes, we were fine. I pulled in, and I, I thought, okay, first things first. We stopped in the parking lot, and I went back, and I said, are you okay? And the gal got out, and she was, I'm five foot eight, and so... Anybody shorter, well, shorter. And she, she looked at me, and she's just sobbing. She has two, two kids in the car with her. One of them is a 12-year-old mentally handicapped young boy who's just crying and crying and crying uncontrollably. The other one is a four-week-old. And um, she had just dropped her other two children off. So I said, first things first, are you okay? And, and the fact that I actually asked her, she just tucked in under my arm, and, and she just sobbed. And I thought, well, this is turning out different than I had imagined. <laughs> and, and, and so I thought, okay, this came into my thoughts and thought, okay, this is God's will today. <sighs> Not my will, that's for sure, but Lord, use this. And so I consoled her. I said, okay, this is how it's going to work. Everybody's okay. I'm not going to call 911, but I will call the Ankeny police. We're going to have a policeman come and walk us through this so we do this properly. And so I did that, and 
she, I went back to talk to her, and she was consoling her son. And the police came. We got everything taken care of. And so at the end, I said, hey, would you mind if I just prayed about this and for, for you and for, for this whole situation and that things would move along smoothly? And she, so she, she tucked in again. <laughs> and once again, praise the Lord for long arms. And, and we prayed. And she looked at me and she cried and she said, I think I needed this today. I said, well, sweetheart. <laughs> and she goes, thank you so much. Out of all the people in Ankeny I could have hit, and I hit you. And she goes, why are you so nice to me? I said, I love Jesus. And that's all that came. <laughs> that was all that came. But maybe that's all she could handle. But those are not accidents, ladies. God puts you where you are for a purpose. So whether you are in um, a difficult neighborhood, whether you have a difficult job, whether you are in a difficult church, God has you there for a purpose. He has you there. And, and so um, Paul, in the book of Philippians, it's interesting. This is so cool. But um, he says, but I, he was in prison. Um, but I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to un- unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest to all the palace and all the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold. There was a reason. Paul understood. He got it. He goes, okay, I'm not just in prison. God has me here for a purpose. God has you where you are for a purpose. So be conscious of what God is doing in your life. Number two, we need to connect with people purposefully. Connect with these ladies purposefully. Um, back in John 4, um, in verse 7 especially, he com- there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith to her, hmm, Give me a drink. Give me a drink. And and he purposefully, he intentionally. So we need to learn to connect with these with women purposefully. And um, how many of you go grocery shopping? Oh, this is a good thing. <laughs> me too. Um, as we were homeschooling our kids, we homeschooled them in the 80s. Okay? Those were not good times. (laughs) Those were not safe times. So we were very, very cautious. We kept our door locked. We were on the church property in our the parsonage. And my children were not allowed to go outside before 3.30 in the afternoon. And we there was even a bill on the floor where they were considered children in need of assistance, that they would be called abused children. And going, oh my goodness, we even had an escape route to get them up to Minnesota to be with my my folks. There was a little old lady in our church who had glasses about the, you know, like pop bottle glasses. And I thought, I have to entrust my children in that. <laughs> but she said, I'll bring them up to the Iowa border, the Minnesota border. I can just follow I-35 up there. <laughs> and then my mom and dad were supposed to come down and pick them up. <laughs> We didn't have to do that, praise the Lord. <laughs> but anyway, um, I had prayed and said, Lord, I know I need to reach out of my comfort zone. 
I know I need to reach out and win people to Christ, but I can't. I'm just a homeschool mom. I had no way to do this. And the Lord burdened my heart and said, Good grief, woman, get off of yourself. Do you not go grocery shopping on a regular basis? I do. So I started praying. Lord, give me a burden for somebody at the grocery store. And because I was there on a regular basis, guess what? I saw a lot of other people there on a regular basis, too. And um, the Lord gave me a burden for Marilyn. And I went through and I was started out, hi, I'm Sandy. And I said, I see your name is Marilyn. <laughs> Whew, praise the Lord for name tags, right? <sighs> and then I was sweating profusely because I was pushing me outside of my comfort zone. And so I got chatting with Marilyn every week. And I had my kids with me. And she would ask me questions. One, one day, um, about three months into the conversations, it was, Marilyn, how are you doing? She goes, um, Sadie, I, I, I'm not doing very well. My husband, Bill, is sick. And I said, I am sorry. She goes, he's in the hospital. He has all these tubes on him. They don't know what's going on. I said, would you let my husband go visit him? And she goes, he'd do that? And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so Tim went to visit Bill that night in the hospital. And not knowing what was going to happen to Bill, Bill, Tim led Bill to the Lord that night. Do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven? And he didn't. Miraculously, Bill was released from the hospital on Friday. And because Tim had gone on a Thursday, he was released on Friday. Guess what? Bill and Marilyn were in church on Sunday. And shared the gospel. We went up to them and we said, hey, would you be willing... Um, to walk through just a short little four-week study in the book of John. And they said, oh, you do that? And we said, yep, absolutely. And so we got to do that. We got to walk them through. Marilyn got saved. And guess what? They had friends. And they brought them in. And we got to do the same thing with them. So you connect with them purposefully. You want to, Lord, make me the woman you want me to be. And he's going to push you outside of that comfort zone. I guarantee it. But isn't that what the walk of faith is? Is not in our own strength, but in his strength? So, and through this, we need to learn to, number three, cultivate friendships. We need to cultivate a friendship. John 4, verse 10. Um, Jesus started cultivating this relationship, this friendship. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. I would have asked him, and he would have given me living water. He started in this area, started connecting and cultivating a friendship. Um, we can do that with people. I had a neighbor behind me, um, and she, I noticed she was very, very pregnant. And um, I thought, hmm, let's see. My guess is she's about eight months along, so I gave it. I gave it about, oh, about a month and a half. <laughs> and I went to visit her. And I, I heard she had had a baby. So I, out of my very, very tight grocery budget, I, I, I kept a dollar twenty-five. <laughs> and I went, Lord, what can I get with a dollar twenty-five? You know what I could get with a dollar twenty-five? A little sweetheart carnation. And I asked the lady at the flower shop, I said, 
would you mind just adding a little baby's breath to make it look bigger? <laughs> and she goes, oh, sweetheart, I'd love to do that for you. And then I added the bow at home. I can, I can do that. I tie bows really well. <laughs> so I tied the bow. Anyway, I brought this little tiny carnation, the sweetheart pixie carnation. I'm the cute. And I brought it up to her with my kids. And I said, I just want to introduce myself to you. I'm Sandy. I live behind you. And my kids, Angela, Danny, and Amy, we just wanted to congratulate you on your new baby. Well, brought, a, brought us in. We saw the new baby. <laughs> that fall, um, as we were watching my kids play, we were sitting on, you know, those electrical boxes that they say danger, stay away from. We were sitting on there in the fall watching my kids play outside. It was kind of cozy and warm. <laughs> And I said, it really makes for a good opener. So, Jean, you've noticed that this box is danger. I said, do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven if we were to die? (laughs) Oh, this is a really... (laughs) But use use instances around you. Use circumstances around you to draw draw them in and learn to ask questions. So I used that. And, And she goes, well, no, I don't. I said, would you like to learn how... And I said, would you and Mark be willing to do like a four-week John study with Tim and I and in our house, your house, wherever, either? And so that turned into, for 18 months, they came to Christ, but we, and we discipled them every, every week for 18 months. It was, so cultivate that friendship. Cultivate that. Um, I will keep going. Engage them in conversation. Engage them in conversations. Um, we have, when we moved to Ankeny, um, we, we lost a lot of our contacts after 24 years in Carroll, and, which is west central Iowa. And um, we said, Lord, you got, please bring us some people. Help us to know who to reach out to. Well, we've got these people in our cul-de-sac. And so we're reaching out to them. Some respond, some don't. Some close the door on us. I'm not going to make it sound like everybody wants to hear what we have to say. There are some that literally will close the door on you. I brought a baby gift over, and the gal says, oh, thanks. Shut the door, and I thought, hmm, okay, (laughs) I guess that's new. (laughs) Move on to the next one. Well, we have um, a Chinese neighbor next to us. Mandarin Chinese, they have, they have a restaurant here in town. We have a major language barrier between us, but I, and I'm trying to engage them in conversation. I thought she was bringing me cookies, and she brought me, I opened up a bag, and it was a live lobster. <laughs> There's little tentacles going back and forth. I said, oh, Kiki, it's alive. <laughs> she goes, you eat, you eat. And I went, not alive. Uh, so that we are trying to engage them in conversation. We figured we went, they invited us to their Chinese New Year at their restaurant. We were the only non-Asians there. And um, the people, once again, you're always where you should be when that God has a purpose. The people sitting next to us, go to a Baptist church up in Ames. And they, we introduced ourselves to them. They said, oh, you are the good neighbors. So we're trying to reach out. 
Um, I've brought her to our bookstore and ha- I plead with the, the, the clerks there say, do you have something in Chinese that I can give her? And they say, we have tracts. I say, okay, let's go, go back and read. And she, she got the tract, read it in Chinese, and she goes, I, I have book. I have book. I said, do you have this little book? What did you do with it? I have book. I have book. So now I need to go on. And, and I, there's really no hope for me to learn Chinese at this point. I have a hard enough time with Pig Latin, so <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> oh, I don't think I'll be learning Chinese. But we're working on addressing things. And the Lord keeps bringing students here who have that ability. So praise the Lord for that. But engage them in conversations. Um, have them to your house. Um, when I started, I, I was an, a stay-at-home mom, um, and it, then when all, all of our kids left and got were through college, I started working in a consignment store in Carroll. Um, I was the used book department. So much fun. And um, so I, I had purposed. I knew that God had me there for a purpose, Right? We're not anywhere because of just chance. And I thought, okay, Lord, I want to purposefully, it's a heavy Catholic community, so all the ladies that worked in there were Catholic. So I said, Lord, I want to be able to share my testimony with each of them at some point. And so that is what I purpose to do. Um, There was only one out of the ten ladies that actually was interested, and she responded. And I will get to that. <clears throat> Many won't. And, um, but we have to keep looking. Even though they say no, we go, okay. You shake the, the dust from your feet and you move on to the next one. It's not about you. It's about the message. It's about, the, about Christ. And so we move on to the next one. And learn to ask them pertinent questions. Just learn to ask questions. And that will endear you to them and them to you as well. You'll learn a lot about where where they stand. Eventually, you're going to point them to Christ, number five. And I would have to say, have you ever marked in your Bible the Romans road? And just um, starting in, in Romans 3.23, in fact... So when I was when we, I was a pastor's wife, I, I did the Patch the Pirate Club for 24 years, and I would tell my Patch kids, I said, sometimes my Holy Spirit gets so excited when I when I start talking about him, it just he just jumps up and down, and they go, I thought that was butterflies. I said, Oh no, it's your Holy Spirit jumping up and down, saying, Let me out, let me out, let me talk. And so, yeah, sometimes I so in the front of my Bible, I always would write. Romans 3.23, so I would remember where to start. Because <laughs> sometimes my Holy Spirit gets so excited to be able to just start. But write down, have a plan, okay? Have a plan, Romans 3.23 to Romans 6.23 to Romans 5.8, 10, 9, and 10, 10, 13, and 8.1. Um, but there's, there's some other questions that you can learn to ask, to, to open it up. Um, Kim came to take my place in the books, the book area of the consignment store. And as I was training her for two months, I said, hey, Kim, um, can I ask you a question? She goes, oh, Sandy, yes, you can ask me anything. And I thought, ooh, I don't think so, but I'm going to anyway. She gave me permission. I said, do you know for certain you're going to heaven? 
And she said, I don't know. And she started crying. And I thought, is this a good cry? Is this a bad thing? And, and I, so I, the Lord burdened my heart with something I had never asked in this way before. This is worth writing down, okay? If you could know, would you want to know? And that is your green light to go ahead, okay? If you could know, would you want to know? And Kim responded and said, yes. And I said, can I prove to you how you can know? And she goes, please do. So I took her to 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, that, and I had her read them. And she, I said, what does this say to you? And she goes, that I can know. I said, yes. So we walked through the whole Romans Road then, right in the consignment store in the book department. And right there in the book department of the consignment store, Kim trusted Jesus Christ to save her from her sins. And um, you could do that. You could ask somebody, say, would you be willing to do like just a short little four-week John study? Um, I've, I've even got a few of them. Joan will have them back there. There's some suggestions on the orange salmony color piece of paper. We've, Tim and I have used these for probably 40 years. And just, it's a short one. We live in a very um, hectic society where people don't want to take the time for things. Just one week at a time. Just give them one at a time. And, and just be able to walk through in the book of John. It's, it's simple. You would know all the verses, but you need to, you need to, um, expound on them a little bit. And you're, you get to, you get to be there when the Lord opens their eyes to the truth of the gospel. And you get to, it even asks, so have you ever come to Christ in this manner? And you get to be the one to walk them through and uh, be able to pray with them. And once once you lead somebody to Christ, you are never the same. You are never the same. And it's so exciting. So, um, and don't forget to bring, if you have children at home, or do the Second Timothy 2, 2 thing where you're bringing somebody with you. Um, we, we would bring our kids. I would bring our kids with and um, it was exciting when about, uh, well, it was about three, two or three years ago that Ange, our oldest daughter, she said, Mom, you used to bring flowers to people. I'm bringing tomatoes. I said, pardon me? And she goes, I bring tomatoes in the gospel now. And so she was able to lead her very belligerent, um, very liberal neighbor an older woman whose husband was dying uh, to the Lord by bringing tomatoes and said, Diane, I know that things have not been easy for you. I just wanted to encourage you a little bit. And it started softening her. So by bringing her tomatoes, she eventually led her to the Lord. And before her husband died, she, and she had the privilege of leading her husband to Christ too. She said, Mom, have a little bit of a question mark on that one. I'm not so certain. So... In full disclosure, if Angela says, did my mom say, yes, I did. <laughs> she, He did. He followed along in the prayer, but she wasn't certain that he actually knew. But Diane did. So praise the Lord for that. But it's exciting. Train up the next generation to do this, okay? The last thing, and that's the last thing we saw here, 
was um, we need to teach them to confess him before people. Confess him before people. And down in verse 39 and 40, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him and that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said to the woman, <coughs> Now we believe not because of thy saying, but because we have heard him for ourselves. <coughs> Teach them to share Christ with others. I am very, very grateful. I have Every year I have had the privilege. Um, Laura, in the gold right here, was my assistant dean of women for three, the last three years. We would have coffee dates with our girls here. A voluntary thing. And they would schedule their coffee date for a half hour. But it gave us this opportunity to, to just be able to talk to them, ask them questions, and then say, hey, do you know for certain you're going to heaven? And, or um, tell us when, when you came to Christ. Or tell us a little bit. There have been those girls who do not know. They're here at Bible college, but they don't know for certain they're going to heaven. And then they can do, we can do the John studies. We can walk them through. And every year, we've had the privilege of leading at least one to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we have a president here who rejoices so much that there have been times I have brought a student in and said, could we just interrupt you for one minute? <laughs> and they get to share that they just came to Christ. And you know what? He is overjoyed to hear, and he rejoices with them. And I am so grateful to have a president that rejoices with them and is never too busy for them. And so I'm really grateful for those opportunities. Um, and... In John chapter 7, in John chapter 7, I know I, I was afraid to go out and talk to people. I just, it scared me to pieces. But it's not about us ladies. And even Jesus said in um, verse 16, or even go up um, to 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Okay, they didn't think he knew. And Jesus answered and said, My doctrine is not mine, but it is that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeks, seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. You know, I... People, people said Jesus didn't know. We know better because we know scriptures. But he, what, did, what did Jesus say? It's not about, it's not, it's the doctrine of him who sent him. We're, we're, we can go, okay, um, I'm scared to death to go and talk to somebody. Then we're revol- it's revolved around us. It's about us then. And what did he say? He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. I don't want to be a glory seeker, ladies. I don't want to be a glory seeker. Um, I don't want that. I, 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 want to, I don't want to grab the glory from the Lord, okay? I want him to receive the glory. 
And so just remember, you don't go alone. You don't go alone. Um, I just, I just, my prayer is that you would have, when you leave today, you would leave different than when you came in, and that you would make a decision. Just like in the book of James, it says, um, we don't want to be hearers only. We want to be doers of the word as well. That you could say, well, this was simple. I can do this. I can teach this to other women to do this as well. Let's be the second Timothy 2, 2 women and that we teach. We do, but we teach it to the next ones that they can teach it to others and they teach it to others. And then it keeps going and going and going. Okay? But we need to look around us, be conscious of what God is doing, start connecting with these ladies, cultivate a friendship, engage them in conversation, point them to Christ and encourage them to confess and to tell others about what had happened in their lives too. I'm going to end with this this sweet little note, and it's nothing. It's about what has happened to a woman, um, to my dear sister Sandy. She now understood that we were sisters in Christ. Where do I begin? I hope you know how very dear to my heart you will always be. I thank God that our paths crossed and that he put you in my life. I have been truly blessed. I see the love of the Lord shining, and I will truly miss that. Sandy, I want to thank you for all you've done, for the blessings you've shown me, but most of all, helping me to acknowledge the Lord as my Savior. I'm so grateful that you listened to the Lord's calling and that you asked me if I knew for certain I was going to heaven. Thank you, Sandy Capon. I love you. Praise the Lord for notes like that. It's not about me. It's about that, okay, Lord, I need to listen to you. I need to do something. I need to ask. So learn to ask questions. Be that one to take the initiative. Who took the initiative with us, God or man? God. If we want to be more like Christ, we need to learn to take that initiative too, ladies. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to be able to share the things that you have laid on my heart with these dear, dear ladies. Help them to take these truths and to teach them to the women in their churches, in their neighborhoods. Father, help them to go out into the their, the shopping centers, the, the grocery stores, their neighborhoods, and develop relationships with, with unbelieving women. Father, help them to train this next generation as well. Father, um, Use them for your honor and glory and help us to be um, doers of your word and not just hearers. Thank you for this time. Thank you for their patience. Help us to go away different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. There are a few John studies back there if you want. They're on the orange piece of paper. It says you can go to the iarbc.org website and load them, upload them, whatever you load them, however you load them, for yourself. For free. So use them to lead people to Christ. Thank you so much for being here. This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend podcast.